0: Making decisions depletes your willpower. The more decisions you make, the more your willpower goes down. Your goal is to eliminate as many trivial decisions from your life as possible to preserve that cognitive fuel for what matters most. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I haven't seen that in 15 years. That was a line that my four-year-old daughter said to me this morning. As you can tell, we are still learning the concept of time. And I kind of smile when I think of that because even as adults, I feel like we are constantly learning about how we can spend our time and our days well so that ultimately we can spend our lives well. And I have been quoted saying the line, time is my currency. And I truly believe that and I live like that, which is why I am obsessed with trying to figure out how to make sure that this limited resource that we have, that we are spending it well and that we are awake to the lives that we're living. You know, it's interesting, we're in a season of transition personally right now as we wait for our home to be completed. We have been building our dream home behind the scenes for the last few months, and we had a slight delay and a slight hiccup in our move-in date, which means that we are living at our lake house right now, which is honestly really fun. I am looking at Lake Superior as I record this episode and watching these mighty waves. And in this season of transition, we created a classic paper chain to help show Coco how each day passes, we get one day closer. And it really had me thinking a lot about some of the mistakes that we make when it comes to time. And so today we're merging the wisdom of science with the wisdom of your unique soul and your unique desires and your intuition. Now for me, whenever I learned the science behind something... I automatically buy into it at a much deeper level. For some reason, it feels so much more solid to me, whether it is with nutrition or health or sleep or the subject like time. We are going to be talking about the number one trait that determines success in virtually every domain of your life, how to add simple changes to your life to improve your decision-making abilities, and, this is my favorite one, How long you should really work in a day according to science. And this one will absolutely blow your mind. Now, all of this is backed in science today based on research done by some of the top academics, neuroscientists, and behavioral scientists. And these science backed truths were actually delivered to me through Marie Forleo's program, Time Genius. And I cannot get them out of my head. They have been like this beating drum as I move into my new year. And I have talked ad nauseum about this program and how much it has changed my life. I took it a year ago. And it has absolutely transformed the way that I look at time, the way that I think about time, the way that I spend my time. My mom took the program, my team has taken the program. It is something that I tell everyone about because I really do believe that when we move through life in a way where we feel like we are powerful and wise investors of our time we will have no regrets. Now, if you're curious about what this program is, you can actually just jump over onto Instagram and DM me the words time genius. And I'll shoot you back info on this program that changed my life. So just head over to Instagram, DM me the words time genius. And without further ado, let's dive on in to today's science-backed show. If you need a new, interesting and inspiring podcast to add to your rotation, well, you've got to check out No Straight Path hosted by Ashley Menzies Babatunde, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. You might recognize her name. Ashley was a guest on Gold Digger last year, and it was so awesome to hear her story and why she started her show. By shedding light on the stories behind the shiny resumes and social media highlights and job titles, No Straight Path aims to humanize success from the millennial perspective. Featuring guests from all walks of life, no Straight Path aims to inspire conversations around the nuanced perspective of success. Listen to No Straight Path wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I don't know if I'm the only human that does this, but I can remember exactly where I was when I learned something that changed my life. Like I have this like visceral connection to the places I have been when I was learning. And I say this because a year ago, if we rewind a year ago, I was on maternity leave pushing Quinn in a stroller when I heard this story that has been told for, I believe, decades. However, Marie told it to me. It was the first time I had heard it and it totally changed my life. So let me tell you this story, and then we will dive on in. And I want for you to think about this story as we talk about some of these science-backed truths when it comes to time. So you might have heard this before, but let this be a refresher if that's the case. There is the story of the professor and the jar with the big rocks and sand and water. And this story is often used to illustrate this concept of time management. So here's kind of a summary of it. So a professor brings a large jar, sets it on a table in front of a group of students. He then proceeds to fill the jar with big rocks. And he asks the students if the jar is full. And of course, the students say, yes, that jar is full. The professor then takes a bag of sand and pours it into the jar, filling the spaces between the rocks. And he asks the students again if the jar is full. And they say that it is. Now, finally, the professor takes a jug of water and pours it into the jar and the water fills up all of the remaining space in the jar. And the professor then asks the students a third time if the jar is full. And again, they agree that it is. Now, the professor explains that the big rocks represent the most important things in our life. Maybe for you, that's family or health or personal values or your business. The sand represents the smaller, less important things like household chores, grocery shopping, errands. The water represents the least important things like checking Instagram or watching TV. The professor says that if you put the sand and the water in the jar first, there will be no room for the big rocks. However, if you put the big rocks in first, you can fit all the other things in and around them. The lesson here is to prioritize the most important things first and make time for them rather than filling your schedule with less important tasks and then trying to get to the stuff that you say is important. I remember hearing this as I'm on maternity leave. So I'm taking time away from my business. I'm pushing this sweet little baby and I'm thinking about this concept of time. And I just kept coming back to like, what are my big rocks? Big rocks first, big rocks first. And this illustration has really helped me because oftentimes I feel like a lot of the water and the sand takes up our days. It makes us feel chaotic and frazzled. It makes us feel like we'll never catch up or we're not getting enough done. And so I love this illustration and I feel like it's a really grounding place to start this episode because a lot of times when we are talking about being productive we're often thinking about like, how can I work smarter so I can work more? But I actually don't subscribe to that. Like I want for us to be productive so that we can get back to those big rocks. I want the sand of our life to be filled with intention so that it can gather around and really be centered around what we say matters the most to us. Because here's what happens. So many people, especially driven people like you, especially people who are ambitious, especially people who set these big goals, they do so in the pursuit of what they say are their big rocks, right? How many of you have started a side hustle or dream of starting a business to get freedom for your family or to have more flexibility and more time? But a lot of times we let the sand of dream chasing or running a business start to take over to make no space for what we say matters most. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, Hey, I know what I want my big rocks to be. But like, if you looked at my day to day, it would not reflect that this episode is going to help get you closer to where you feel fully confident putting those big rocks in the jar first, living out those values first, doing what you say matters the most first and letting everything else be the filler. So let's dive on into three science-backed truths that will help you prioritize the right things so that you can accomplish your big goals and then get back to your life. So there's this guy named Dr. Roy Baumeister. He is a social scientist, and he looked at dozens of personality traits and saw that there was just one trait beyond intelligence that would predict how well a student did in college. And this one really surprised me when Marie told me this, because I would have guessed a million different things. I would have guessed like charisma or confidence or capability, but you know what it was? It was self-control. Self-control correlates most with success. This means that we're talking about the ability to resist temptation. And what I love about this notion is that people with self-control have a more long-term vision that they're working towards. They are able to more easily override unwanted thoughts feelings or impulses, and see through things like temporary emotions and urges in order to incorporate this long-term perspective, which honestly makes sense when you think about it. I would not say that I am someone that has a ton of self-control, especially when I look at my history with my health. I am the kind of person who had a really deeply emotional relationship with food, to the point where I would use food to both celebrate and commiserate. And I would often find myself obsessing and thinking about what I was going to eat next, not from a place of restriction, but a place of joy. Like I would get this idea into my head about what I would eat and I would get so excited about it. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. When I think about self-control, one of the things that I think about for myself is I used to not have that willpower or a strong enough long-term vision to override those short-term cravings. And so oftentimes I would spend so much of my day thinking about like, what am I going to eat for lunch? What is for dinner? Oh, I cannot wait to eat that. Oh my gosh. And once that thought was in my head, I had to have it. It would be this insatiable craving until I made it. And so many of you have been following my health journey this year. And when I learned this fact about self-control being the one thing that would predict how well someone does, I really started to make sure that my long-term vision was crystal clear. For my health, it was this idea of vibrance, of having energy. And that had to override those emotions and those thoughts. Here's something super important to note, though. Self-control is a limited resource. It is capable of being depleted on a daily basis. Willpower is essentially mental energy, and you only get a certain amount of it each day. Some activities or thoughts burn more energy than others, and resisting temptation burns through a ton of our cognitive fuel each day. So each time you're resisting temptation, your power goes down, your self-control goes down, which makes us kind of feel like we're screwed, right? But here is something amazing. You can build self-control and willpower. You can take control of your ability to succeed. And here's how you can do it. The people with the best self-control spend less time resisting temptation. Let me say that again. The people with the best self-control spend less time resisting temptation. How? By planning not to be exposed to temptation in the first place have you heard about like, I, I always think about this. Like if you put healthy foods at your eyesight in your refrigerator, you are far more likely to eat healthy. If you have chocolate hidden in the back of a drawer, you might not be as likely to eat it. But if you see it, I've actually been joking about this with Drew because he has this tendency to like leave sweets out. And then all of a sudden Coco was like, begging for a sucker or a Sour Patch Kid. And I'm like, she didn't even know that existed until she saw it with her eyeballs. Like we got to keep these things under wraps. And so I can say, especially as a parent, but also someone who can struggle with self-control that these are absolutely true. So how do we resist temptation? Now, one thing to note here that I love is if we think about the 80-20 rule here, the majority of your distractions or your temptations or your interruptions. Likely come from a minority of sources in your life. So, Marie gave this example inside of her program, Time Genius, and I just loved it because I was like, okay, this makes total sense. So, if, for example, seeing your TV in your living room tempts you to turn on the news or binge watch Netflix instead of working, there are obviously a number of ways you can eliminate that temptation altogether. And while these ideas aren't exhaustive, in theory, you could work in a different room that doesn't have a TV. You could cancel your cable subscription. You could remove the TV from the living room altogether. You could remove the TV and install a projection system that is time-consuming to turn on. So if you want to watch a movie, you have to intentionally take the time to set it up. You could even just log out of Netflix and have somebody change your password. There are so many different ways that you can really identify what is stealing your willpower, which is essentially your cognitive fuel, and help create a system or a strategy or a plan to remove those obstacles from your day-to-day life. So for example, for me, I definitely struggle with my phone. It is a massive distraction for me. Oftentimes when I'm trying to work, I was even laughing as I was writing this outline. I would get distracted. I would get a text message. Oh, I would want to check in on that one thing I forgot about. And a number of studies have found that phones can interfere with productivity and cognitive functioning. Duh. Like we all know that. But one study found that even the mere presence of a phone, so not even being on it, but just like having it in the room or next to you can be enough to distract people from other tasks. Another study found that people who multitasked with their phones, so using their phones while doing something else, had worse performance on tasks that required attention and memory compared to those who did not multitask. Again, these are no surprises. But these are actual scientific studies that are telling us this. So here are a few things that I personally did after learning this tip from Marie. So I got this little wooden box that you can actually fit a charging cord into. So my phone is literally out of sight. I have that wooden box on my desk. And when I am focusing on work, I put my phone into the box. I cannot see it light up. I cannot see notifications. That is where it goes. Now I also made a setting on my phone that only allows phone calls and messages from like five people. It's like Drew, Coco' School, my family. and I turn that mode on often when I'm working so that only emergency calls could get through to me because I think a lot of us are like, yeah, I would love to do do not disturb mode, but like what if my kids babysitter calls or what if my parents need me create that setting on your phone? It takes like three minutes to do it and then utilize that setting when you're trying to focus. We also created, and I've talked about this before on the show, we created this charging area in a cabinet in our house so that all of our devices charge in there. We don't have them out charging on the countertops or anywhere else. We put them into this cabinet at the end of the night. We do not sleep with devices in our bedroom. And the funny thing is, is that it's an old squeaky cabinet. And so a lot of times Drew and I can hear each other opening it and we're like, what are you doing? What you grabbing? And then lastly, one of my team members recommended this. I downloaded this app. It's called Forest. And it is really good for helping you focus. And so you can set an amount of time that you want to be focused. And you, what happens in the app, it's kind of funny, but it like grows a plant on your screen. And if you click out of that app, you kill the plant. And I also believe that the app is actually planting real trees in real life. So you're like doing good. So you really don't want to kill any plants because you want to be an environmentalist like you are. And so the forest app has also been very helpful. There are also apps and things that you can get on your computer that can allow you to focus. So that's something for me, but I've really been thinking about as we move into this new year, what does that self-control look like? And how can I set myself up for more success by removing distractions, interruptions, and temptations. What does that look like? And I think we can answer that for basically every area of our life. We all have bad habits. My bad habit is that I work with a million tabs open. Like literally as I'm talking to you, I have so many tabs open. I can't even see what the tabs are. I am the worst. Does anyone else do this? Now, the thing is, is that bad habits tend to find their way into our businesses too. From emailing clients at 2am or spending way too much time and money on legacy software your IT person grandfathered in, or taking on tasks just because you can, not because you should. Well, it is time to break up with the bad business habits and break in new ways to bring our A-game in 2023. HubSpot's all-in-one connected CRM platform can help you there. It makes it easy to better connect your teams, data, and systems so that you can better connect with your customers. Best of all, it is free to get started. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better in 2023 and get a special offer of 20% off on eligible plans at hubspot.com slash golddigger. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash digger, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Okay, science-backed time truth number two is we're talking about something called decision fatigue. Let me give you a little story real quick. We recently just had to pack up the house that we lived in for nearly the last five years. And I can tell you, like, I've moved many times in my life. I've never moved with children. And it's not even really the kids stuff. It's more so packing while taking care of children, especially Quinn, who is like standing up and falling over and climbing on everything and it was really interesting because i found myself so wiped out at the end of the day and i could not figure out why like i would like lay down in the middle of the day and like be just bone tired and after i started thinking about it i realized that i was super tired because i was making so many decisions i don't know if it's the same for you in your household or your relationships but I make a lot of the decisions. And when it came to packing, Drew is very tidy. He's organized, he's minimalist. I am more emotional. I hold on to things more. And so he had no trouble at all packing up his things. It like took him like two hours, but I had, you know, boxes of old letters and cards for every occasion that I had saved. And I was trying to make a lot of these like emotional decisions. And at the end of the day, I was straight up wiped out. Like I couldn't even decide anymore. And it was really hard because I was trying to be so intentional. Like I only want to bring in things we love and need into this new home. But by the end, we got to those nasty, lasty boxes where you are just throwing everything in. Oh man, I do not want to unpack those. Decision fatigue is this phenomenon that refers to the negative impact that making too many decisions can have on our ability to make good choices. As we go through the day, we are constantly faced with a variety of decisions, both big and small. Essentially, what happens is each decision that we make requires some level of mental effort. This is why I was exhausted. And over time, this can lead to a decline in our ability to make good decisions. So of course, this happened to me while packing up our home. But when we think about this, this can really happen to us, especially in business. So one of the things that I really learned from Marie and that is something that we are taking into this year as a massive focus is she talks about the power of choosing one primary project. A lot of times entrepreneurs were multi-passionate, we're so excited about things. We often have like five projects going on, and even deciding where to start each day, that depletes your cognitive tank making decisions like whether you should work out or not, or whether you should meditate, or what are you going to eat today? Or what are you going to wear today? Every single decision that you make drains a little bit of your cognitive fuel. Have you ever gotten to the end of your day and you're trying to like make a very simple decision and you can't even decide this always reminds me of when we decide to order takeout and Drew's like, what do you want? I'm like, I literally can't even think right now that is a sign that I've made too many decisions in my day and my cognitive tank is absolutely depleted. So if we want to tie together science-based fact one and two, if you're curious about what depletes your willpower, making decisions depletes your willpower. The more decisions you make, the more your willpower goes down. Your goal is to eliminate as many trivial decisions from your life as possible to preserve that cognitive fuel for what matters most like think about this this might help illustrate the point have you ever been in a restaurant and you walk in and their menu is like 12 pages long and it includes every possible category of food which really makes you question how that's even possible from salads to pancakes to chicken nuggets to euros it has everything on there And you feel so overwhelmed that you don't even know how to make a decision. There's too many choices. You're worried you're going to make the wrong one. You don't know what you even want any longer because now you've been exposed to so many options. We've all been there. Essentially, as we're moving through our lives and making decisions like this, this is how we're feeling where we're getting to this point where we are not even cognitively able to make good decisions. If you want to do your best work. That means that you cannot blow your daily supply of mental and emotional discernment on low ticket items. You want to be able to be super clear and confident on the things that matter the most, the things that move the needle the most, the things that are aligned with what you say are your values. If any part of you is feeling consistently exhausted by the end of your days, do a little experiment on your own with a decision detox. And again, I totally learned this from Marie, and this has been really helpful for me. So, when I found myself laying on the bed in the middle of packing, I was like, Why am I so tired? And I realized, Oh my gosh, I'm making so many decisions. Like, I cannot do this. So, here are a few ways that you can avoid decision fatigue. So, first, simplify your environment so this for me was huge especially while packing i decided instead of because what i would do is i would start packing a certain area i'd get really overwhelmed not be able to make decisions i move on to another area where i can make the simple decision so first simplify your environment reduce the number of decisions you need to make by simplifying your environment you could create a routine or a process. You could minimize the number of options you have to choose from. We've all heard that like Steve Jobs wore the same outfit every single day so that he didn't have to even decide what he wore. We don't have to go that extreme, but I'm showing you that this is true. Number two, prioritize your decisions. Try to make the most important decisions when you are feeling the most alert and energized. So I'm going to get to a point in a bit that's going to blow your mind about how many hours you should work. But think about when are you most alert and to energize and what big decisions can you make during that time? Number three, take breaks. Give your brain a chance to rest and recharge by taking breaks throughout the day. Number four, this one has been huge for me. Get enough sleep. I was laughing that for New Year's, I was proudly in bed by 930, just like I am every other night because I've been learning so much about sleep, but decision fatigue is far more likely to occur when you are tired. And then number five, something that I really, really honored over this last year was practicing mindfulness, whether that's meditation or just being more mindful and aware of the decisions you're making and trying to avoid making impulsive decisions when you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed. Those five tips can really help you, but I want for you to just be thinking about this idea of your decisions are draining your cognitive fuel. How can you eliminate or remove or simplify the decision-making process for you? People with the best self-control spend less time resisting temptation. They plan not to be exposed to the temptation in the first place. So again, one and two go hand in hand. How can you figure out what that looks like for you and simplify that bit of the process. Okay. Number three is something that is really hard for me, but something that I am continually working on context switching. This is another name for multitasking or simply constantly bouncing back and forth between many different tasks and projects. Tell me if this resonates. Oftentimes when I'm meant to be doing something and focusing on I will go over to my inbox and I will refresh it. Almost like I am waiting for a distraction to pull me out of the work that I should be doing. It is one of the worst ways to waste your precious brain fuel. And so how do we, especially women who claim that we are amazing at multitasking, how do we make it a habit to single task? So a few things that I've done, for example, even in my day to day is batching similar tasks together to minimize context switching. I have talked about batch working for years and years and years. Batch working is essentially taking items that are directly correlated or very similar and putting them all at once. It could be running errands. It could be food prepping or meal prepping. And so it's pulling you out of this desire to multitask or bounce around on tasks and to really focus in. There's an app company called Rescue Time and they analyzed over 225 million working hours and they found that the average user switched between tasks 300 times a day. Every single time we switch tasks, we drain more fuel from our brain tank. Marie said this line inside of her program where she said, schedule your priorities. Do not prioritize your schedule. And I thought this was so powerful. Again, with that illustration of the big rocks, schedule your big rocks. A lot of times our schedules get filled with the sand and the water. And all of a sudden we're trying to jam those big rocks into the jar and they're suddenly not fitting. And so I love this idea of get your most important things on the calendar first, whatever you set as your primary project schedule, non-negotiable time for that thing. First, do not try to squeeze it in proactively schedule it in. This is something that I've been looking at for this year in terms of what I am saying are my priorities. I am making sure that there are spaces on my calendar reserved to reflect what I say matters the most to me. One thing that has been really interesting for me in this last year is that I was diagnosed with ADHD. I did a full episode on the topic, and it is something that I am still learning a ton about. And I am the kind of person who runs with a million tabs open literally and figuratively in my brain. I have a hard time not getting sidetracked and distracted. It is like my Achilles heel. Like I can hear like primary project and like focusing, but I have a really hard time executing. And that is why having some of these science based facts has really helped me come back to like the importance of this. And this is proven. And like, if I can do this, this is going to help me so much. It's going to help my brain release the millions of thoughts that it's thinking or this feeling of not doing enough. And some people with ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder try to multitask in this effort to improve their productivity or to manage their symptoms. ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder that is characterized by difficulty with paying attention, impulsivity, and hyperactivity. So you can imagine that as I'm learning all of this science, I'm like, I am basically screwed. And all of these symptoms can make it really challenging for people with ADHD to focus on a single task for an extended period of time, which is why a lot of times we try to multitask as a way to keep ourselves engaged and on track and achieving. That is me at my core. However, it is so important that we note that multitasking can be challenging for anyone. It is generally not an effective way to increase your productivity. In fact, research has shown that multitasking can actually decrease productivity and lead to increased stress and errors. It may be more effective for individuals with ADHD to focus on one task at a time and to use strategies such as setting specific goals, breaking tasks down into smaller steps, and using tools to help them stay organized and on track. This has been so crucial for me. Like I mentioned before, I have apps, I have my phone box, I have project management systems, my team is assigning me tasks so that I can stay focused. And Marie also has ADHD, which is why I really appreciated learning these time-saving strategies from her because I didn't find myself saying like, you don't understand how my brain works. No, she does. And so a few things that she said that she does, which I've actually seen her walk out in her real life. She'll batch return text messages in one bunch. So if I send her a text message, I know that I might not hear from her for a day. And that literally doesn't bother me because I know that she has this system. She'll also schedule all of her meetings in one day instead of having, you know, a meeting and then focus work and then recording and then a podcast. Like she batches just about everything. And I've watched her do that. And it's been so inspiring to me. So if you are someone who battles with context switching, think about what triggers you to switch tasks throughout the day. Maybe you forget to turn off notifications. Maybe you get creatively stuck. So you open up email instead of giving your brain a break. Maybe you lack planning. Write down what you believe is the cause that leads you to bounce back and forth. And then follow steps one and two about focusing on your self-control, eliminating distractions, and really working to limit the amount of decisions you have to make. I know what it's like to feel completely thrown off your game because you're just not motivated or your mind isn't in the right space. That's why I'm thrilled to tell you all about superhuman activations. Now, if meditation isn't for you, you need to try activations instead. Activations are a groundbreaking new type of audio that's this mix of a motivational podcast, cinematic music, and guided visualization. They are fundamentally different from meditation and a lot more exciting to listen to. Instead of calming you, activations are motivating, energizing, and transformative. So visit activations.com forward slash gold digger now for over 60% off. Do not miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts and it expires soon. That's activations.com forward slash gold digger. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. Absolutely transformative for me. And honestly, something that I've literally been talking about daily in this new year as we're moving through what our new routine is going to look like and the season of transition. Let's talk about how much time should you actually be doing cognitively demanding tasks and working each day? So, get this decades of scientific research and prolific creators throughout history have all come to about the same conclusion. If your work involves cognitively demanding tasks like thinking, generating, creating, the amount of time that you should spend on that type of work is just four hours a day. That's it. Four hours a day. Marie talks about the work of the late Swedish psychologist, Anders Eriksson. So Anders Eriksson is a Swedish psychologist and researcher who is known for his work on the science of expertise and the concept of deliberate practice. He has written extensively on the subject of how individuals can achieve high levels of performance in their chosen fields through focused goal-oriented practice. Marie talks about this idea of four hours of uninterrupted work time where you are doing those Highly cognitive tasks. Once you are done with those four, everything else is gravy. Marie calls this her core four. Now, this has been really eye opening for me, and I've honestly found it to be true for me as well. Drew and I were talking last night about what I want my work schedule to look like as we move into this new year. I'll be totally honest this last year, I had very little focus time. I was constantly with my kids. I was full-time nursing Quinn. I'm still nursing her. I was very, very present as a parent. And while it was absolutely amazing, it was really, really hard for me to focus. And something that's interesting about the house that we just moved out of is that there wasn't a devoted office space. So we had this desk nook that was under the stairs that was literally in the middle of the house. So there was no doors to close. There was no quiet And so it was really, really hard for me to go to a place where I could actually like close a door and focus. And when I learned this piece from Marie, it was really eye-opening for me because when Drew and I were talking the other night, he was like, what do you want this year to look like work-wise? I was like, ideally between the hours of 8.30 and 12.30, that would be my four hours of focus time. That's when Coco is in school. That is when I can really get my work done. I'm energized. It's the morning. I'm ready to go. And then after that, I want to keep my afternoons flexible. So I can still be doing work, but I could also sign off and take my kids to the trampoline park or be available to, you know, do a play date with Coco's friends. Like I want to have that level of flexibility. And so when Marie talks about this like core four and she explains the science behind it and how, of course, you can work eight hours a day or you can work 10 hours a day, but how cognitively demanding tasks, you cannot do them for 10 hours a day and do them well. I like loved that because I feel like it kind of releases some of the guilt that a lot of us carry of like, I should be working harder. I should be working more. I'm not doing enough. Rather than expecting to be prolifically focused, what would it look like if you fence off four hours or two hours, or even one hour of uninterrupted work time each day. Once you're done with those focused hours, then you have the flexibility to fill in your glass jar with the sand or the water, whatever that looks like. I think that this fact alone has been really powerful for me and also powerful as a team leader. We've been looking at ways where we can give our team like, "Hey, get off of slack, get some focus time, we'll reconnect when you're done with whatever it is you're focusing on. So what would your life look like if you introduced this idea of the core four and you had your lighter and less intense work around that? Like that could be awesome. Maybe you're wondering like, what do I do with those other hours? The goal here is to focus on the cognitively demanding work in that four hour chunk, then use the rest of your time to do things like research or emails or meetings. For me, this has been a game changer. I mean, her whole program genuinely changed my life. I was just talking to one of my best friends the other day and I was like, hey, you need to take time genius. We were talking about just this feeling of stress and pressure and never getting enough done. I was like, you have that program, right? Dive into it. You need to retake it because there are certain things that are really going to help you. I am just a number one fan. That program changed my life. If you want to know more about time genius, again, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, type in the words time genius. I will send you information on the program And lastly, I want to leave you with some words that Marie said that I think are so huge when it comes to this topic of time, because here's the reality. We live in this world that is so distracting and that is constantly chipping away at our self-control and constantly making us feel like we're not doing enough. Marie says, starting small does not mean thinking small. And so maybe you can just take away one of these science-backed truths and bring it into your life or think about ways that you can eliminate distractions or simplify your decisions or get a primary project that you can focus on. My goal for you is to finish this year looking at your jar and saying, well done, you. You had those big rocks right in the center of your jar all year. And you stood by what you said mattered the most. If time is our currency, I want you to become the most brilliant investor of it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Of course, until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast.